This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI Audio's on air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Hey, folks, and look at that. Look, look, we're swinging open the gateway to your weekend, getting you lined up, as we usually do on a Friday on the program. Thanks for being with us. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, host of the program at our home studios, uh, me in London, Ontario, Ramya in Toronto. And how's your Friday lining hey. up for you? Happy Friday. It's going really well. I'm in a very nice, uh, energetic mood today, and I was telling somebody earlier, that I think it's because I got a proper eight hours of sleep, Kels. Proper. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm not the greatest when it comes to that. I always either feel, yeah, you know, wonderful or or not. And and mm. I, I'm not a big sleep person, so you know, I just figure, hey, I I get what I do or don't. And I hate napping. I still struggle so much with, hey, I'm enjoying this this book. <laughs> And I fall asleep. I hate it. Or watching my ball Do you, games. though? Like, do you fall oh, asleep but gosh, hate it? Or yeah. do you just not fall asleep because you hate no, it? No, I fall asleep and hate it. I just, I, I wake up, it jolts me. And uh, not that I'm disoriented. I just don't like it. Never have. Um, I think I remember telling you here on the show, I remember my father saying to me as a kid, hey, why don't you go take a nap? You know, it's a nice, when I'd be at home, and I, well, why would I do that? And if I did do it, fall asleep, I woke up always jolting myself. But you've been always a, a, hey, I'm okay with a nap. I'm a big supporter of good sleep. I don't love napping either. I could. Right. So uh, you sleep your full I, time and always uh, yeah, kind of nap. To. Okay. And, yeah. Well, no. I, there have been times in my life where I'm like, I'm polyphasic sleeping. Because the problem with me is I don't do these power naps. People go for naps and then they get up reasonably after one REM cycle, right? Like, you know, an hour nap, 90 minutes, whatever, something. If I go to sleep at 5 p.m., I can't wake up and be comfortable until 8 right. p.m. It's like oh, three wow. hours. So it's a up. good three hours. It's like half nap. a night of sleep. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever done that and just can't wake yourself up and just basically spend the eight hours from five o'clock p.m. on? <laughs> no, I haven't done that. But you wake up at odd hours of the night, right? Like, I would think so. Yeah, it's, if I put in an hour timer, I just turn it off, go back to sleep, and then I wake up at some ridiculous time like 2 a.m. Yeah, you know. it's a funny thing, and I, I always feel when we talk about sleep on the show, uh, when the guys bring in the items or we have a guest on, such as what we were talking about uh, students not long ago, and I just I just shake my head because it's so far removed from what I've ever been able to do. I've had mm. great sleeps, um, or what I consider six hours, and you know I used to always just j- wake up and be out of bed within thirty seconds and uh, wow. feeling great. It was just Good for you, you know that I I, I did that. that up until my. Well, probably my forties, you know, just you know, not that long ago, and I now, you know, okay, I got to take two minutes before I can do that. <laughs> Let's take a look at what's coming up on today's edition of Kelly and Company. New accessibility and sharing features are coming to Android devices. John Beeler, he's got our updates. The Indigenous Disability uh, and Wellness Gathering, hosted by the BC Aboriginal Network on Disability Society, is taking place in November in BC, and Sylvie Fakit is going to share more. On the chatty bookshelf in Hour 2 of the program, Ryan Huey highlights Audrey, a new audiobook player with a twist. 
We'll get into that conversation later in the program with him when he joins us. So i got a couple items here that, in their own way, are, are similar. Researchers say that our voices reveal a lot about our health. Ear, nose, and throat specialists have long known that Parkinson's patients often speak in a lower tone and at a slower pace. Now the National Institutes of Health is funding a project to build a database of patients reading words, sentences, and phrases. Not just Parkinson's sufferers, but those diagnosed with Alzheimer's, depression, pneumonia, and autism. The data would be used in AI-based tools to diagnose others who might have the same conditions. Jim Ryan, ABC News. So I think we're looking at that predetermination. You know, we talk a lot now about things that may give no sign or would we would we have signs of something if we knew how to pick up on something before? So something that we wait and now get um, some kinds of symptoms, maybe there's ways of finding out beforehand and until uh, technology, health technology finds a way to intervene or we get supports, medicines or treatments in some way, whatever way it might be. I, I'm assuming, Rum, this is the kind of thing they're hoping to tell in a person's voice. Um, you know, and again, I'm, I'm going to exaggerate here ridiculously, but maybe at 32 years old, you can find out something that may trouble people generally when they're 58 or 65. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like going back to the basics, right? We're always keeping tabs on new and improved technology and the latest this and the most recent that. But sometimes it's like when I hear this clip, I think, yeah, that is right. It's the same way, you know, even going more basic than that, how you know you're going to catch a cold, right? right. Like the, the kind of symptoms you feel, not just voice, but everything else and joint pains and all this other stuff. So our bodies talk to us, like bringing it back to the bigger pictures, our bodies talk to us in all these different ways and you can really clearly hear that. And um, so it's a nice reminder, if anything. Well, it's interesting with the use of AI and how many different things. And we've often said to ourselves, I feel like I'm coming down with something. May not even know it in the voice, may not know, but your body feels off. Mm -hmm. I want to continue to talk about voices, communications in some way. A new study finds that sperm whales across the Pacific Ocean share a unique culture. They hang out with fellows who speak the same dialects. These marine giants use a series of Morse code, like clicks, known as codas, to communicate. The study's lead author, uh, Dr. Um, Taylor A. Hirsch, says the research shows that sperm whales themselves are using these codas as a symbolic marker of which group they belong to, which is similar to human beings' dialects. I think all sperm whales speak the same language, you know, but I think it is that these different groups have their different dialects or their different accents. So, you know, if you think about in Canada versus the U.S., if you had a person and they just heard someone speaking English, you might not know right away where they're from. But as soon as someone says A, you know, then you're like, oh, it's probably someone from Canada. We always think of whales, of course, Ramya, with that (laughs) Yeah, I know the example. Oh, come uh, on. <laughs> I think it's serious? just the one we can all relate to from so many people saying, yeah, you said, hey, I knew you must be Canadian. Uh, the study also okay. finds that sperm whales that speak different dialects don't socialize even though they share the same waters. Hmm, interesting. Ah, uh, It's fascinating when we talk about this because we've always spoke about whales and communications like we do with dolphins. 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, there's lots to talk about with this kind of stuff, and I'm always learning something new in our seas and out there in space. Um, but the behavior part of it is quite interesting altogether, right? Just that they they don't communicate, they don't want to associate with each other, even though they they share the waters and they <laughs> share the dialect. I don't speak to you, man. You don't They're speak picky. my dialect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't understand you. You're speaking dashes and dots <laughs> gibberish to me. I, I don't know what that is. Folks, in a moment, when we return, reporter Grant Hardy and producer Jeff Ryman bring us the latest lifestyle headlines. We'll talk to them after this on Kelly and Company. When you want to reach out to AMI-audio, do it on Twitter, folks. At AMI-audio is the handle. You can ask your questions that you might have for AMI-audio or follow along with what we're having segment to segment right here on Kelly and Company. That's at AMI-audio on Twitter. If you have questions about the company, maybe AMI-tv, AMI-tele, or just overall accessible media itself, feedback at AMI.ca. You can email, and the gang over there at Marketing Communications will help you out. Feedback at AMI.ca is the way to do that. And, of course, you can always give us a shout. 1-866-509-4545. Love to hear from you. 1-866-509-4545. Just send a message in. Just mention it's for Kelly and company. And if you don't mind, give us permission to use your message on the air. If we can, we shall. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthin. And we're going to get into our Friday lifestyle chat. We get two people bringing these on to us these days. Let's bring on producer Jeff Ryman and reporter Grant Hardy. From fashion to travel, pets and more, we cover it all on the Lifestyle Report with me, Jeff Ryman. And Grant Hardy. Okay, guys, this is awesome. Uh, We've been having some fun times talking health and lifestyle with the two of you. Grant, you were picking the topics for us today. What do you have? Hey, folks, happy Friday. Uh, I want to start with something super exciting and interesting that I've seen this week. Um, Our headline today is Vancouver's first black library, a place of refuge at last. And it's from the Vancouver son. My oppression has found her place because she made it herself. She says, I wanted to improve the way I was feeling and improve things for others. Although the library has only been open for a week, the fact that it even exists feels almost like magic. Now, Prashen, who's a 21-year-old University of BC social work student, uh, conceived of the project in January when she was at a really low point, which was something she had uh, felt for years uh, due to a sense of isolation and a lack of a uh, Black space. Uh, The article goes on to describe that uh, she experienced social isolation and feelings of tokenism, as well as microaggressions, even in a safe space like the UBC campus, which was a wake-up call that even in these spaces that believe themselves to be better, the oppression is hiding in plain sight. Uh, So uh, she had this idea, put out an Instagram campaign, way surpassed her fundraising goal, and now she has this interesting library where everybody 
can learn about black culture in a non-carceral model. So they're going to reimagine things like cataloging, they're going to remove late fees, uh, and you can borrow not only books, graphic novels about uh, the lives of black women, you can borrow works from black artists, and there's even going to be educational materials related to producing digital art. So I don't know about you guys. I mean, look, I'm, I'm unqualified to discuss, uh, you know, racism, but I do have some experience with oppression being, uh, having a disability. And I just think it's so cool to have this kind of space and really open it to everyone so that not only do you have that space in the community, but you're opening it to everyone to learn about your culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think that we're exaggerating when we think that this is a marquee moment um, in history and the, the future to come uh, for all kinds of purposes, you know, getting, retrieving, understanding, archival of all kinds of content that may or may not be even, you know, in our radars at the moment. And it's just, I feel like this is going to be a place for to find discover and throw in all kinds of content um from from black people and authors and and as you mentioned right like all the different people that will be um uncovered here yeah and, and like you said we don't necessarily have the the opportunity to speak on as people who identify as, as being black, but as a person of color myself, and as mm -hmm. like you said, a person with disability, you know, like I can feel the excitement of something like this and the excitement of people gathering together to create something like this and to maintain it. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, um, you know, we have this stereotype that Canada is multicultural. And in many ways, I think we absolutely are. Yep. Um, we, we do a lot better than other places. But this concept that Canada, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, racist at all. We don't experience oppression at all. That's just simply not mm -hmm. true. We absolutely 100% do. I've learned about that over the course of my life so far. Um, and even in terms of this library, apparently this woman has experienced a lot of love, but has also been shaken by a lot of really hateful comments and even a, a racist uh, sign on the gate, the building. So I think um, being able to learn about uh, this culture is really important and just, you know, ex expanding people's tolerance is, is yeah. really important as well yeah i i like this for two different reasons here um the first one being i think a really crucial thing is the education factor on certain cultures mm -hmm. they just don't teach that stuff in school uh they they might tap into it a little bit but i think there's much more needed um mm -hmm. in, in order to you know to um, help people better understand where people come from, what their cultures are all about. Uh, and when we had our special programming on our show, uh, you know, when was it? A couple years ago, yeah, maybe? BLM. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I really thought that was really important is just that 
that education factor people just don't understand and whatever they don't understand they just tend to say yeah whatever you know dismissal they they exactly mm-hmm. they just they just dismiss it so uh there's obviously that side of, of things so uh people can better understand where everybody is coming from and learning about cultures but number 2 is that you said people can seek refuge in there and it, it's one of those things where if you have a passion about learning or reading or in my case, it's sports. Like you have a little safe haven. So whenever I'm playing sports, it's my safe haven. This is now another area where people can go and feel safe and, you know, sort of shut down all of that negativity that is surrounding them in the world. And they're able to just go there and read about their culture or maybe read about a culture that they're not familiar on. Um, right. So I, I love this for, for a multiple, for multiple reasons here. So, uh, definitely on board with this. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Grant. No, I, a culturally inclusive space like this, it's such a wonderful way to connect with the community too, because it's essentially yes. a cross section of the community that wants to be open and, and tolerant yeah. and friendly. Absolutely. And, and I think of it as, you know, when we were kids uh, trying to find disability anywhere, right? Trying to figure out like who else is like me. And especially if you were in an integrated education system, like I was and thinking, well, the, where are all the other disabled people, right? Like there's, there's nobody around and, and people don't talk about it unless they're, uh, unless you're an icon for, for representing disability or something. But, um, it, and that's just one thing as well here, the representation, you know, are black people understanding enough of their their own histories and like where are the features of black artists, black authors um, and histories of black communities everywhere. Go to this place, go to this library. It's, I think there's so much to celebrate here. That's amazing. Thank you for bringing this one. Ah, oh, it's going to be super. Um I wanted to give you guys a quick heads up on another note here. Regardless of how we feel on about Monday, it is a holiday-ish. Mm-hmm. So uh, our headline from CTV News uh, kind of reviews what's open and closed. Now, across the country, any service staffed by federal employees is going to be unavailable uh, for this holiday, including all services uh, Service Canada offices, Canada Post will be unavailable, no delivery. Uh, It's too bad that my um, bills are e-bills or I would have a reprieve from them for another day. Um, (laughs) Businesses are going to be uh, uh, optional, so you're going to want to double check because it may not show up on Google Maps. And schools, it's just a mess. So BC and Yukon schools are closed, as are those in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland, and Labrador. They are open in Manitoba, Ontario, and Nunavut, uh, even though uh, Manitoba and Nunavut, some government offices are closed. And daycare and medical procedures are going to just really vary, uh, so you're going to want to double check. So essentially, it's hard to imagine a sort of a peaceful holiday as people are sort of juggling their work and their child care and the private sector is essentially asked to observe the holiday however we can but it's all optional so double check but that's a very brief uh uh look at how we're shaping up Mm. 
do you guys, because now for the last week or so, we've been uh, paying attention to this, dissecting as we go, keeping updated. For you personally, we had Bill Shackleton on Wednesday really give us his personal perspectives on <laughs> what this, quote, holiday is going to feel like for him. But uh, do you feel some kind of way? I, I want to be a bit careful because I I really do want to be uh, respectful. And, and mm. I think that's what Canada is trying to do. I mean, the question is, is Canada as respectful about some of our other populations, like our, you know, our, our indigenous population. And mm. I don't know, there's some, there's some work to do on multiple fronts. Um, but I think, I think having a day of respect is, you know, reasonable. Uh, but I do think that some families are going to struggle a little bit with like, Oh, you know, my kid's school is closed, but you know, my work, uh, I still have to go to work and, you know, or I don't know if I have this medical procedure, like I'm going to have to double check. Um, so I, I suppose just wrapping your head around kind of the logistics is going to be the order of the day. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree with that 100 um, percent. You know, this was sort of sprung on us kind of last minute um, in kind of like how we've been dealing with everything during the pandemic. Uh, I, I'm thinking more along the lines, like you mentioned, Grant, for, for kids that are in school, you mentioned uh, a couple of provinces and territories um, are going to be closed. Now parents might be scrambling. So they, they might be feeling a, a little bit flustered. Uh, but at the same time, um, this was the queen. Um, she was in power for 70 years. Um, mm -hmm. And regardless of how you feel about it, um, you should at least pay a little bit of respect. Um, and clearly people over in England um, <laughs> are, are, are mourning quite a bit, um, hearing how long it takes to just even get a glimpse um, of certain things over there. Uh, people are waiting in lines for 24 hours. I think I heard yesterday on the news that um, one of the lines was over six kilometers long. Yep. Um, so, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm sort of in between here. Uh, obviously I'll take some time to pay some respect, probably watch some yeah. news coverage and, and listen totally. to some, some of those people, uh, pay their respects. But yeah, I, I totally understand where, you know, there are other things that are ongoing and it's kind of a, a mess to, to, to try to decipher what's open and what's closed. You see David Beckham out there for 12 hours. Um, and again, the question always comes, how many of the celebrities actually waited? How many of the celebrities bypassed the line? And, uh, you know, I I, oh. I I don't like to, this isn't the time for me to get, oh, well, why are people, that, there's certain things that come with the privilege of people who ha have have the the cachet or whatever the, the celebrity note. Um, I, I think the reality is there are many people who are waiting and waiting. And if you're holding up, the making people wait even longer, that's a bit of a problem. But uh, there are those who are out there, and I'm sure more celebrities than we'd ever know, who are waiting the time, who are in that line, and, you know, really wanting to pay the respects. So I, I think anything is good. We know on Monday there's going to be tons of people. Guys, thank you very much. Beautiful, excellent work, excellent information. 
Thanks, folks. Have a good weekend. You guys, too. Uh, Jeff Ryman will return later on in the program with us for Cut for Time, and we'll talk to Grant next week here on the program as they just brought us lifestyle headlines. Coming up next, new accessibility and sharing features are coming to Android devices. Well, we know John Beeler. It's a Friday. He's got the updates after this. do you have your volume for your headsets not too high why can you Me hear neither. it yeah oh, okay. it's funny as, as we do the show it gets quieter and quieter i don't know because we get more and more in tuned yeah i was gonna say i think we just get louder and louder oh. um we'll see what the listeners say to that <laughs> that's one that's actually a really good point <laughs> check out the podcast <laughs> folks I think there they tone us down a little bit when it gets posted. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, you can uh, subscribe using uh, your favorite podcast platform and check out Kelly and Company. Check out many of the podcasts available to you through AMI-audio. Lots of them to choose from. And, folks, of course, keep in mind, we've launched the new video podcast as well, a stable of those available uh, as you do your searching. You'll find them. They're also available as uh, audio podcasts. But subscribe to the Kelly and Company podcast at your convenience. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. Let's get into the app update. We do this on Fridays with John Beeler, and he is continuing to stick around once a week with us as we uh, chat apps. And there's a lot to talk about today. So, John, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. So we're going to talk Apple, but all the way at the end, because right now we need to shed some light on Android. There's some new accessibility and sharing features coming to Android devices. Yeah, one of the, uh, I guess, the biggest things that they announced uh, recently was that uh, they have a a feature called Nearby Share, which is basically Google's version of AirDrop uh, from iOS. And it's getting a pretty big update that's going to make it really easy for Android users to share files and photos and videos between each other. The interesting aspect about this, it's a little different than AirDrop, is that you actually have the ability to send files this way to anyone in the world. They don't have to be nearby, which okay. is kind of confusing because it's called near, nearby share. But um, So that's a really handy feature, being able to send uh, stuff to people in your contact list, uh, even if they're not right in the same room or wow. in the same vicinity, um, which is pretty cool. Well, the world um, gets smaller, John. Actually... Australia is just over there. That's right. <laughs> um, the other thing that they've done, and I think this is really interesting for our listeners, is that they've um, they've had a, a, some features with the sound notifications. So basically when your device hears a fire alarm or something like that, you actually get a notification. And what they have, a new, na- a new thing now, it's called custom alerts that allows you to record a specific noise. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, your washing machine makes a certain chime when it's done uh, its business and needs to notify you. You can actually record that, and then your Android phone will actually give you a notification, even if there's no app or anything like that for that particular washing machine, which is kind of common nowadays. But that's a really interesting feature, so you can actually have a custom audio alert for almost anything that you encounter. Wow. Wow. I'm interested in, like you said, fire alarms or whatever, because I find, and I know there is 
what is classed as a fire alarm. There is a standard as to what you're supposed to hear as opposed to, you know, just a bell ring in some places, uh, older places. Um, but I'm assuming all that kind of thing is pre-programmed into the Android to know, hey, man, you're in this building and there's a fire alarm going off. Yeah, I think there's a certain frequency or a certain, um, ah. uh, I guess, repetitive nature of the tone that yeah. would sort of be standardized with like fire alarms, smoke alarms, CO2 alarms, those types of things. Um, but, you know, if there's any concern or you do a test and it doesn't trigger that, then you now have the ability to record your specific alarm and make that a, a unique notification for your Android devices as well. I think that uh, this continues to bring Android to the forefront about customizability, right? Like the the way we used to think of Android and Apple, you know, Apple, everything was so rigid, like it comes as it is. And if you like it, then you'll love the Apple ecosystem because everything is that way. Whereas Android, you can kind of go in and out and change different things and ringtones to, to everything custom right but the the freedom of that um so it's reminding me of that though we don't think of apple that way right now or any longer um it still feels like this is a nice point for android is that just the history of android john is that why they're more likely to think about allowing you to simply go in and record something where apple hold on why would we allow you to be able to we should be able to already (laughs) preset Well, it's interesting because I think Apple kind of lets you do that, but they don't let you record it. They use AI to interpret it and guess what it is. So, um, and then you can assign something to that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would agree that I think um, Google has always been, in, in my head, uh, it's more of a tinkerer's operating system. Mm-hmm. It allows you to get, open up the hood, get in there and really change it and make it your own um, until the next update at least. Right. So, um, which is always sort of, I guess it's the fun thing and it's also the pain that comes with a new update is that you might have to go in and revisit some of your customizations to see if they're still there and if they were kept from that update. I think it's always fun just to see what AI gets used, how, where we're, where we're saying this is an AI thing that is allowing this to happen. So really incredible. Uh, can we switch to talking a little bit about laws? Um, this is yes. really interesting. The California governor has signed a law requiring social uh, media networks um, to actually be open, be public, and mo- put out there their moderation rules. What's this all about? Well, basically, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, has uh, put a law into place that forces social media networks, which are, I think, mostly based in California or San Francisco specifically, um, to publish how they're dealing with all of this bad stuff, hate speech, extremism, harassment, uh, and just general um, objectionable content that is published and perpetrated on those platforms. Uh, So this requires them to basically have a very transparent uh, policy that's published on their website, their terms of service, what's uh, what's banned, what's not, like all that kind of detail so people will truly know what's going on, but also how they're dealing with it. Because one of the challenges that anytime there's a new um, social media network, one of the first things that they get challenged on is how are you moderating things? Yes. And whether it's fully automated with AI, which we know hasn't been the greatest. It tends to be overly uh, locked 
locked down and restrictive for people even just talking or posting photos about their cats. Uh, it misinterprets those things as hate speech, for example, um, versus then you have people doing the moderation, which when you're dealing with something like, say, Facebook that has a billion posts a day, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of impossible to have a billion people checking uh, every post that goes up. So th- there has to be a balance in there somehow and uh, just getting more transparency on these things. Um, but it's also interesting, too, that they're forcing these companies to have a, a, an annual audit as well as to how well they did in that space. Uh, and, you know, this is a result of all the things that we've seen that are really negative in the last few years, you know, with the political stuff and the abortion stuff and you name it stuff. Um, there's always some hot topic that really um, gets people going on social media that maybe shouldn't be there. And so how can we prevent it? Well, this is one step that California is taking to do it. Um, the interesting sort of flip side of this is that some um, legal experts think that this might encroach on First Amendment rights in some way because it's basically forcing um, these these rules to be um, enforced uh maybe a little more stricter than they were previous to this law being put in place. So there's there's a lot of uh, back and forth going on with the legal experts and the lawyers in, in this space right now. But it's a really interesting thing because some of the other states in the U.S. have, have made it very easy for, say, uh, misinformation campaigns for political candidates to proliferate um, without any um, backlash for those particular candidates. Um, you know, the example being Trump being deplatformed for from everything because of the misinformation. Right. And uh, some other states have basically put into place that, no, you can't do that. You have to let us have a voice on these platforms. Well, you get to where, when you look at a state like California, you've got a lot of high-paying celebrity um, taxpayers who have really been called out, insulted, threatened, and different things like that on social media. And, you know, he, the governor knows where his votes are coming from, where his what, what his constituency out there is. Um, and, and I understand because, like you say, the home of a lot of these social media places uh, is out there. But I also think when we talk about challenging people's rights based on um, the, their First Amendments and, and things like that. There's so many places you can't get away with slandering people, saying this, threatening people. It, you wouldn't be able to get away with it on a, on a street or in the middle of the cafe, stand up and start screaming at you and saying, you know what, Miller, I hear you Fridays on that silly show or whatever and calling you name. But So you shouldn't be able to do that on social media in theory. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but it's 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 a it's a messy uh, process because um, the other thing too is uh, like the whole moderation aspect of things. Um, you don't want to make it so restrictive that no one can post anything, right? But also, there's been so many examples of people that have been the live moderators of some of these platforms mm-hmm. and how they basically get PTSD because they see some awful awful stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be horrible. And AI, you can only count on so much. And you can't just put up a sign saying, you can't do this, 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 and this. And good luck. Have fun. Yeah, exactly. Let's get to one more uh, conversation that's kind of multi-pronged because iOS 16 is now available uh, and there's always time to keep posted on new Apple news with the new lock screen, editable iMessages, and more. We've been chatting about these. 
Yeah, probably the one of the biggest things that people are going to really, uh, or at least anecdotally, people that have said to me they're most interested in is the ability to edit your messages that you send using Apple's iMessage platform. Uh, you actually have up to 15 minutes to edit a message after you send it. Uh, as long as the other person has iOS 16, if they don't, they're not going to see uh, a revised message. They'll see your original message and then your edited message. So you have to make sure that whoever you're editing your message from has iOS 16, if that's important. You also have the ability in under two minutes to unsend that message. So if you sent it to the wrong person, for example, now keep in mind, these people can still, they're still alerted to the fact that a message came, uh, whether you're, they're, you know, and I've done some tests with this. Uh, I had my phone just sitting on the table in front of me and it was locked and, and off and a message was sent and it was unsent. I still got the pop-up. I could still read it, you know, glanced at it on the home screen. Um, but then when I went to click through to it, it was gone because it had mm. been unsent. But there is a little sort of paper trail saying, well, the person unsent a message to you. So you don't get to see the message. You can't screenshot it because it's gone. But you, you are aware that someone attempted to send you a message and, you know, perhaps incorrectly. Um, the other interesting thing is when you do edit the message, it will say that John has edited this message. So um, there is a pretty good set of transparency rules in place so that people can abuse this by saying one thing, then getting a response, and then editing the message saying, oh, well, here's something else completely different. I just changed it, and you've responded to that, and it looks weird now or could be compromising depending on who you're sending messages to. So that's an interesting aspect of it. The other thing I, I, I also noticed in my testing is that uh, some people, uh, my girlfriend has a Series 3 Apple Watch, which is not upgradable mm -hmm. to the latest version of watchOS. It doesn't get these um, uh, transparent, editable notifications. She just gets the original message, and then she gets the edited message. So, uh, you know, you have to really be careful, and you, you can't rely on this as being uh, sort of a, a magic bullet for editing something that you sent incorrectly or sending it to someone that you didn't intend to. Uh, people on older operating systems or olding, older still versions... still get the original hardware, message. Like, yeah, and that's not going to go away. So, that's um, so funny. I guess the, the old adage of be careful what you type and send still applies. Still counts. It still counts. We still got to follow that mentality. <laughs> Edit it before you send it. Thank you so much, John. You're welcome. <laughs> that's really funny, though. What a hack. John Bueller joining us on Fridays with our app update. <laughs> <laughs> Always so much, that's for sure. Up next, folks, the Indigenous Disability and Wellness Gathering hosted by the BC Aboriginal Network on Disability Society takes place in November. Sylvie Fiquette, she arrives in a couple of minutes with more details. Stand by. Over the weekend, you might want to know what's on in your area and described video. Any programming available to you, a simple way to go and find out, go to ami.ca slash dvguide. 
Enter your postal code and the time frame in which you're kind of curious, whether it's uh, Friday night through Sunday. And up will come all the shows with audio description available to you. And that's at ami.ca slash dvguide. Remember, pop in your postal code and the time frame, and that information will just be there for you. So you can settle on back, enjoy your, a movie that might interest you or a favorite show, and double-check that time. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald. We are the hosts of Kelly & Company. Thanks for being with us wherever you're listening in around the world. Appreciate you joining us. And on Wednesdays and Fridays, we get a chance to find out uh, through our regional content reports uh, a little bit of what's going on in different areas of this wonderful country of ours. Today, we're joined by Sylvie Fiquet, AMI Content Development uh, Specialist in Vancouver. Sylvie, welcome back. Nice to have you. Thanks, Kelly. Nice to be back with you both. Well, Sylvie, let's talk a little theater. We always love the updates of what's going on, especially involving our folks over there with Vocal Eye. They've got a wonderful lineup uh, coming up with so many live described, as I was just talking about uh, TV and, and films and stuff like that available to people in their area. Well, what do you guys got going on out there involving Vocal Eye in this wonderful lineup? Yes, there's something for everyone to enjoy this October, and Vocali is super excited to welcome patrons in person with live description. And here's what's coming up. So Peter Pan Goes Wrong, where anything that can go wrong does go wrong in this (laughs) (laughs) international... (laughs) <laughs> comedic sensation it it will be quite something a lot of fun there there's two described performances on sunday october 2nd at 2 p.m and friday october 7th at 8 p.m and these are held at the arts club stanley theater in vancouver and then next up oh, is i gotta frozen... say so i'm just thinking of the things that could go wrong and i'm thinking of yeah. like is it what is it, an alligator or a crocodile that follows along and you know where he is because you can hear the, the tick-tock, he swallowed a clock at some point. I wonder if it starts <laughs> right. chiming or something and won't stop. That would really be a dead giveaway. Good luck hunting. <laughs> Good luck hunting for sure. And then I'm thinking of flying across the stage. Yes. What can go wrong there? Yeah, yeah. Like, for into years, the props. For years. Remember all those shows we'd watch as, as as kids, the Brady Bunch and so on, anything like that would have something to do with flying and uh, the strings and Peter Pan. Oh, that went wrong. Oh, so, so great. That's cool. That sounds hilarious. Yeah, Tinkerbell and everything. So looking, <laughs> this will be a fun one. I think it'll be quite hysterical. Um, so next up is Frozen River, the story of two 11-year-olds born under the same blood moon, but in different parts of the world. This one's a family show for all ages, described on Saturday, October 15th, a 2 p.m. matinee with a post-show touch tour. Nice. And these are always great to have yes. the touch tours, get in there with the costumes and the actors and the props and everything on stage. And so this happens wow. at the water. Front Theater in Granville. I bet that's so much fun for the actors. You know, when you get a chance, they get so excited. And, and, and of course, the people who design the props and stuff love it, too, um, and the sets, because they, they get to talk about it. They get to say, come here, here, put your hand on here. This is, you know, how we did this and that. We, I love when someone describes how they made something. You know, we see it on stage. How the heck? What is that Or, you of? know Using Foley and just right. the soundscape and everything. So I think... I agree with you, Kelly, that actors and set designers and all of the behind the scenes building of this 
The description and being able to tell people what they did is a real highlight. So these touch tours are always super popular. And I just mentioned that again, it's at the Waterfront Theatre on Granville Island. And then at the end of October, Redbone Coonhound, it's a biting new comedy that explores the intricacies of race, systemic power, and privilege. And that's described on Sunday, October 30th at 2 p.m. at the Arts Club Newmont Theatre in the BMO Centre in Vancouver. So lots to take in there in the month of October with Live Described Theatre. That is just one month, a lot of a lot of stuff. And I, I say that, of course, we can never have too much and, and wish everything was available at some time or another, but the efforts here by everybody are really tremendous, Sylvie, just to, to give us that kind of access. Tremendous. Yeah, really great. I'm going to jump on one more accessible event, if I may. It's the Literary Cabaret, and this event features a selection of authors reading from their latest work as part of the Vancouver's Writers Festival. So although it's an accessible event, it won't include description. Don't really need it to listen to the authors explain from their (laughs) latest work. And a special group um, booking will be arranged for Vocali members on Saturday, October 22nd at 7 p.m. at Performance Works. Again, this is on Granville Island. Again, perfect. Really nice. Really good stuff. Wow. All right, Sylvie, thank you. We'll put all this, too, up on the blog, ami.ca slash kellyco, so people can be reminded it's a lot to take in. It is a lot to take in, for sure. But that's not the end, though, because we want to still talk about the Indigenous Disability and Wellness Gathering. It's taking place in November, Sylvie, so we got to prep for that. Uh, Should we start with where it takes place, and then you can tell us what's going on at the gathering? Sure. So, Ramia, the Indigenous Disability and Wellness Gathering will be hosted by Indigenous Disability Canada, and it takes place November 15th through 17th, and it's during the 8th anniversary of the Indigenous Disability Awareness Month. The 2022 gathering will be held in Victoria on the ancestral lands of the Lagwanquin people at the Victoria Conference Centre, and the gathering brings together Indigenous and non-Indigenous governments, leadership, service providers, community members, and others to learn, connect, and collaborate in addressing the unique barriers Indigenous peoples with disabilities face. That's, um, first of all, I think the organization is a great one to be running this type of initiative. So do we have examples of the kinds of barriers that Indigenous peoples with disabilities do face? Yes, so the BC Aboriginal Network on Disability Society um, highlighted that what's necessary is steps forward in dismantling both historical and current barriers, also along with attitudes and perceptions that negatively impact Indigenous peoples living with disabilities. So they aim to, they didn't highlight and outline because it's such a large conversation to address. However, they're saying their aim is to form new and expanded partnerships with the focus to move and collaborate and identify best practices and go in the direction of broader disability with um, impacting um, 
everyone, really. They're moving more into looking at um, health sectors and the disability community. And central messaging is that it's together and helping to shape a Canada that is inclusive and responsive to the needs of all peoples and abilities. The... um intersectionality of of identifying as a person who is Indigenous and a person who has a disability, uh, I think is something that, you know, does require a lot of conversation, just that intersection itself. And so this kind of an initiative, I think, is really, really important. And I'm curious about the ways that the conversations will be led, facilitated, uh, you know, the engagement part of it, Sylvie. Yeah, Ramya, you always bring up such great points along this. It's such a broad, wide um, canvas to tackle. Mm -hmm. And I think that what individuals participating in this gathering are, they're going to be learning about the latest news and initiatives relating to Indigenous disability and wellness in Canada. And there's that opportunity to speak with um, advocates, service providers, just about what barriers and priorities and opportunities are out there relevant to anyone who's attending and understanding, having a greater understanding. Um, it's kind of, there's, I think of it as tip of the iceberg, but there's so much conversation to be had. And it's uh, an, a, a big, big challenging subject matter, but so um, exciting that the collaboration piece and the readiness and willingness of so many different individuals, guest speakers that they have joining are going to um, start the conversations and get the ball really rolling. That part is, um, I think, something to value. Get the ball rolling. That encouragement of these conversations are happening. These are the legit examples of people and organizations and places who want to take part in the conversations along with you and want to hear from you. That side is, um, you know, it's very powerful for people with disabilities in general to feel like they're being heard, right? To feel like they are always being considered in inclusivity and in in all types of conversations. So this is very empowering. I'm excited for the workshop, though it's happening in November, Sylvie. Should we start talking about the registration process? We should. You know, there are different tiers of registration and fees associated with this, like from right from the individual to the organization or those um, individuals who will be vendors at this. There's a huge, right. um, already a lot of disability and health information through on-site vendor tables. So those resources are, are really great for delegates who will be attending. And the registration, so for more information, people can check out the website of, um, just go right, go right to IndigenousDisabilityGathering.com and the page comes up with, it's a very rich with information about what's happening, what the experience will be like. Um, there's even on the first night a mix and mingle social, and Wait. there will be traditional dance and presentations uh, that will ha- be happening. So it's it's a it's a big event. It'll so be great. It is going to be beautiful. It is just wonderful. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Wonderful report. Have a great weekend, you guys. Thank you. 
Our content development specialists join us on Wednesdays and Fridays right here on Kelly and Company. Coming up in the next hour, we have the Chatty Bookshelf with Ryan Huey. Let's get the conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week on Cut for Time. Up next to kick the hour off, Bill Shackleton. It's the Friday edition of The Buzz right here on Kelly and Company. This is Hour 2 of Kelly and Company. Thanks. Wherever you're listening in, appreciate it. Maybe you're using TuneIn Radio or OOTunes. A couple of great apps in which to add to your smart device and listen to the show. Take us with you wherever you might have to be. Hey, we can be there too. Just simply download TuneIn Radio or OOTunes to your smart device. Maybe you're listening from work. I know it's a Friday. Trying to get your way out of there, sneak out. Well, finish today listening to us at AMI.ca, and you can listen to the live stream of AMI-audio and check us out that way while you're getting your work done. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the program, and we also invite on Fridays in to finish up our week, starting our second hour as we swing open the gateway to your weekend, Bill Shackleton. He joins us for the buzz. Billy, welcome back. Yes, and remember, folks, you're not done work until you listen to the stream. Ah, yes. Right? Particularly, yeah, you know, we round up. I yeah. mean, there's all sorts of great content. So no matter when you listen to the stream of AMI-audio, you can't go wrong. There's always good stuff playing. Billy, speaking of good stuff, where are we starting? We're going to do this one. So actually what we have today is a serious article and a couple of really funny ones. But this okay. first one, <clears throat> New York City's 9-11 Tribute Museum uh, closes its doors for good. Kind of an interesting story mm. coming from CTV News. This museum opened um, basically in 2006, and it closed on the Wednesday before the anniversary of 9-11, and its purpose was to basically commemorate 9-11, and what it did was it had things like exhibits, it had uh, survivors taking tourists around to some of the spots that were damaged, it had like an education toolkit that it sent around the world to teachers for educating their kids about 9-11, and just basically keeping it alive and, and, and telling kids about it and how, and, and how, what kind of effect it had. And the question, the, the big question for me when I read it is, are we done with 9-11? I mean, to think that it, it closed, I mean, maybe there's no interest. And that, that's what I'm wondering. Is it, are we going to, are we supposed to move on? Is that what the signal, is this signaling or, Ooh, or what? I mean, I don't. I, it's funny, Bill, because, on the roundtable yesterday, we never got to it. Um, I, I kind of wanted to bring up the fact that with 21 years post um, such a tragedy, an attack on the World Trade Center, are we still keeping the conversation going? Most of the conversation for us is of the importance of survivors and their health. We are we are having to deal with so many people that were there on the ground that have health issues now. Um, there's nothing we can do, obviously, for those who have lost people in the sense uh, so many years ago or those who were lost, um, except keep their, their memory in our hearts and that for people uh, immediately affected by those those persons after such a horrible tragedy. But we've got to support the people who are with us who are sick 
because they were there as first responders and um, and, of, and and family that are still around that that need that that support with the with the great loss. So I think again, the right things are being done. I I, I certainly don't want to comment on that it's perfect or anything like that. I don't know. I do think it's interesting that a museum such as this would close. Um, I love the idea that stuff goes out to the schools and because so many people are in school that this is like ancient history to them, like, you know, the attacks at the Olympics in Berlin and and all that kind of stuff years and years ago. People say, well, what are you talking about? Um, Things that, you know, many of us growing up said, well, what attacks are you talking about that we didn't Hmm. know about? Um, So... I, I I feel a little surprised, especially yeah. where it is that it's closing. Sure. I recognize it's twenty year twenty one years later, but I also recognize how many museums do we open to talk about other things? Um, I don't want to say less important, but but maybe not as significant, um, especially in the United States. Th- this particular play, this one, but that we get, we'll close this. And open another one in five years down the street from it or something, doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah I, I, I guess. I mean, I, I don't think. I, I think we should always remember. I, it's something you can't just. I, you know, it's like Remembrance Day. I think we should all we should always pay tribute to that. There, you know, there's so much that went on in in that day, and and I just think it's a shame that it closed. Now it is going to be virtual. Right, right, yeah, which is so, another alternative in a lot of yes, ways, and for some of us, maybe even a better way, and also for more people. Because when you look at something that happened in a city, in a country, you after a while start saying, well, on the grand scheme of things, like World War Two or the Vietnam War, how many people were affected? A larger number. How many more people are going to be asking questions, wanting to understand how their country was involved in, in this conflict, that conflict? Versus a, a an attack where many you know uh, you know several thousand people were lost, plus um, and and the effects of it and the years after of of survival the rebuilding this kind of thing. But when we look at our visitors to a museum, impact on people, is there really going to be that much traction needed? Virtual now does definitely put a different complexion, Billy, on things. I think it does, although there's no substitute for being there. But but okay, that's okay. Um, let's move to this next one. We got a couple of funny ones here. Polite brown bear raids California 7-Eleven for candy bars. You're gonna love this. So if they're chocolate. Mm. Yeah. Oh god. I, I I yeah. I think they're. I hope they. Well, I don't know whether the. You know oh, whether yeah, they, they have were. to be. There have to be. I some. guess so. Oh yeah, bear with a chocolate sweet tooth. <laughs> Um, so this bear, they call it a polite bear. So this uh, essentially walked into a. So the the um, proprietor of this convenience store heard the door open, right? So he looks down and see he thinks it's a person, but of course it's a bear. And what is really interesting about this bear is it takes one or two candy bars at a time out, eats them, comes back, grabs two more, eats them. Comes back. He got addicted to them. Yeah, but the thing, <laughs> sugar addiction, man. We know all about it. Oh boy! Well, I only broke one door go... to get in there, so yeah. I just kept figuring it since Jeez, I did, did the damage. Is he okay for them? Oh, they like honey, uh, right? Like this is. Or yeah, I guess even. so. Okay. But the thing that he that, that he only took two at a time, and, and like 
as, as the article said, it's, it's a polite hands, bear. Billy. Yeah, well, I guess so. <laughs> I kind of like that. The only thing is the damage to get in probably made him a little rude unless he found actually found a way to nudge the door open or whatever and came in. Maybe that's what happened because it is a 7-Eleven. So. Maybe it was open around the clock and he just came in. Um, I mean, I've heard of them breaking into all sorts of stuff, whether it's oh, cottages, bakeries, and stuff like that in small towns. Um, it's it's phenomenal what, where, where they show up. I mean, we've had bears show up here in London. Uh, but I, I can't imagine that, Rum. No, I can't either. And I think it's so cute, though, that he just kind of waited. I, I mean, I'd be terrified, regardless, yeah. regardless oh, yeah. of the bear not charging me. You mean if you were or if me. you were standing in there and up beside you? No, you said, oh, no. I'll take a couple of Obviously, if I was mind. a bear, I'd be fine. But <laughs> if I was the person, the cashier, it was, like, it sounds reasonable enough, right? The bear's coming in, you 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 take your time, you assess the situation. You're like, okay, he just wants chocolate. All right, enjoy yourself, and then when you leave, I'll lock the door. door. But still, yeah, I'd still be terrified because you don't know. Well, you no, don't know what if all this he's... time the bear just didn't notice me? Well, you know, and then or, all of a sudden, or, after the third the candy bar, he looks around and he looks over yeah. and says, "Well, I guess I'm done here. How are you? <laughs> oh, I, I taste you. terrible. I'm not as good as chocolate. Right, right. Oh, wow, uh, Billy, did so he do cute, damage though. getting in there? No, no, I don't think so. Because the guy, I, it didn't say that. So I guess the door would have been open. He yeah. just pushed it open. Maybe pushed the it catch open. was off. That's what he, yeah. His nose, he just came in. Yeah. And the, the bell That's would right. ring. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, so yes, cute. may I help you? <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're behind the counter. Good day. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. But the, and I bet next time he moved the candy bars after they when they replenished and, and cleaned out, I bet he moved the candy bars as far away from the counter as possible. Behind the counter. <laughs> yeah. Behind the counter. I'd be gone, though, as soon as the bear said, hey, uh, you moved them. Yeah, and I'm moving me, too. See ya. Help mm. yourself. Uh, Billy, what's your last yeah. one? Nursing home apologizes for hiring strippers for um, wheel, for nine-year-old men in wheelchairs. This is when you read the what? title of this article. Yeah. When you read the article, it isn't funny at all. Like you when, when, Now, apparently what happened was this nursing home in Taiwan decided to have a party and, for, and a nursing home. So what they hired a stripper. Well, this 90-year-old, you said, right? Yeah, for 90-year-olds, for, for men that were not in wheelchairs. That were 90, so, okay. Yeah, so anyway, what happened was that some of them did their thing, and they were, you know, and it got the video got out, and it's like, why? why well, you don't have to apologize for, I mean, these men probably loved it, and they're probably going to live longer because of, I mean... <laughs> All, all they did was that the, the the staff at the nursing home wanted to cheer them up because of, of COVID. So let's have a party and hire a stripper for these guys. Wow. And I just oh think it's goodness. great. I love it. I love oh, it. I find, well, obviously, like here, our view. Depends and again, on your taste. I don't want to, yeah. yeah, I don't want to speak for everywhere in the world because uh, I have no idea what's uh, allowed and isn't we wouldn't allow yeah. that here. Um, yeah. I think the view would be, you know, oh, you want to do that, you go out and uh, do that, and nobody needs to know that's your own personal business. But don't, we, you know, we can't bring that in here. And 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 I get some would say, well, what if they can't go out? Um, yeah. But there's lots of things that happen in nursing homes 
or excuse me, lots of things that people who are in nursing homes or in school situations, whether you're at college or in a nursing home, you, you can't do them on the campus. You can't do them at the facility. You just can't, well, you I'm, know. I'm, I'm telling you one thing. If I get to 90, I'll move to Thailand and <laughs> I might, you know. Shaq, on that, we will leave you with that in mind. Billy's going to go compose a letter and sing, how dare you guys, you know, apologize. There was no need. Okay. Yeah. Oh, boy, Billy. Thanks a lot, pal. Good stuff. All right. See ya. Interesting stuff. That's for sure. Bill Shackleton mm-hmm. joining us for the buzz right here on Kelly and Company. Uh, we always say this at the top. We we never know where Bill where wants to go, go right, mm-hmm. or what direction he's taking us. That's for sure. We'll step aside for a moment, and uh, we'll be back with the chatty bookshelf and something a little unusual Ryan has for us, too, for our audiobook listening after this. company is available from your tv source cable customers look for us on channel 110 and tbaytel iptv channel 1112 is where you folks can find us visit ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area kelly mcdonald with rumya muthan let's get to the chatty bookshelf this is where we chat all things audiobooks before we kick it into the weekend here's ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? My name is Ryan Hui. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, and we talk all things audiobooks. Right, it's September. I'm already on my third book of the month because I'm back into the reading mode. So nice. Hey, thanks for having me. Wait, third book of the month? You're beating me. I've only done two. Well, I guess ah, that means I'm on five. my third, too, but yeah. It's yeah, probably yeah. a little bit more ahead there. Okay, wow, good I for know. you. I'm impressed. But, Color me impressed. But, Exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am breaking. Um, no, it's because, you know, during the summer, it feels like we read, well, at least me, sort of when I can or just the, the minimum amount because there's all these other things going on. But fall is time to hunker down. It's so nice. Sure, sure. I mean, Ryan, she's leaving off the fact that most likely the fact that the sun sets earlier. And she doesn't yes, you know, want to wander out. There's nothing to I do. Really it's getting too dark. Might as well yeah. put a book on and then sleep. And definitely not getting follows. up earlier. Come on. <laughs> what a negative huh? Nelly. He's always got a rain on your parade. That oh, was great. <laughs> but it's great. As long as there are three it's good true. books. <laughs> Very true. And you know what? It's, it's a great time for new releases. And speaking of which, uh, our friend, the, I guess, the artist of young adult mayhem, Karen McManus, who's released five New York Times bestsellers, including... One of us is next, which is uh, actually a Hulu TV show, which has 13 episodes, has released another book. And I'm prepared to give it five stars and I haven't even started listening to it. Um, she's just that good. Her character building, her universe building is just absolutely amazing. So, guys, check out this book. It's called Nothing More to Tell. And it's I mean, it, it sounds phenomenal. And you know that she's going to bring it when she when she writes something new. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We had that chat. Uh, I don't think I think it was when during during the summertime rum 
uh, trying to figure out when the specials, like what is the rules now as, as the audiobook world becomes what it is to us. Uh, Ryan and, and I got into the, a brief chat on uh, one show pertaining. When do we think all like we see when the specials come out, when it's a good time to buy this and we're quick to say, oh, well, it's September now. There's going to be. But what has kind of established that? And when are we go as, as things start to unfold? Uh, it, you know, we can easily say, oh, well, just before Christmas, there's going to be some sales or there's going to be a push for. But it's interesting with audiobooks because it always seems like it's always a good time. I, there's never a dull moment, right? In the audiobook world, you can release yeah. something at some point and you can link it to American Thanksgiving, back to school, uh, LGBTQ month, uh, you know, all kinds of something. You know, audiobook month in June is a big one. Uh, you know, 4th of July is another big one for our, our American friends that listen. So you can always kind of find something, like you said, to kind of release it. And I think the the marketing and, and publishing uh for the publishers are, are like that department is, is where it's at. And they got the ideas. They're the brains behind it all. And uh, we've always said before that even audible, they, they seem to market everything so that everything sounds good. Even if it's something that I typically wouldn't like. Mm-hmm. And, and I think because it doesn't seem in, in the book world, because we don't necessarily stop and think of all the publishers, the individuality, we think of it just as one continuous stream of releases. Uh, it doesn't matter who it's from or who tends to do more at this point or who tends to, this is that time of the you know, year where you're going to get something from X publishing company. So all their, their, their stable of authors are going to be releasing stuff. We don't really think about it that way. It's just a continuous stream. And you know what? I think that's by design because it's every single Tuesday. But typically, um, every book will come out on a Tuesday, right? And unless it's like a very special, you know, Andy Weir special edition, that sort of thing, uh, then they'll come out on like a Thursday or Friday. But for the most part, Tuesday is where it's at. And every single Tuesday, there's, a, dare I say, thousands of books that uh, might be released that you can either get on audio, ebook, or even the print and find something that you like because they're just continually being pumped out Tuesdays in the entire book world. Tuesdays with Maury. <laughs> Absolutely. So, right, uh, the topic of today is a new audiobook player. This is really cool. So, you know, the, in a sea of audiobook players, it, it's really interesting. You know, you think that, oh, all of them are the same, and, you know, you won't find any with a twist, but that's exactly what this one is. Uh, and to clarify, really... we're talking about, like, you know, players, like the the audible player that you use to listen to your audiobooks or Dolphin Easy Reader or the one what's the one with the public library called? Oh, we said yeah. a couple of weeks ago, Ryan. We, you oh and I gosh. we came up with the, the, the not the overdrive, but her name is Overdrive is one though, yeah. Yeah, but yes. it's a female. So name. we are talking about absolutely we're talking about oh Libby. Libby. Mm-hmm. Libby. Yeah. Yeah, the, that's that's the one. So yeah, we're talking about that, but interesting enough, this one also you get it's it's a retailer as well and some of the books nice. are very reasonably reasonably priced. It's called Audrey as you kind of uh alluded to and it's available on Google Play, iOS App Store, uh and for those of you that don't have a um a tablet or a smartphone, you can actually use it on your laptop if that's how you're enjoying your audiobooks. So it's really really cool. Very nice. So let's talk more about who it is and what they do. So it has all your regular stuff, right? Your leave, you know, pick up where you left off, your double speed, your triple speed, um, you know, connect to your nearest Bluetooth, uh, you know, stream to from your phone to your computer, that sort of thing. But what's really cool is some of the added features that they've sort of had in, right? And some of those 
it's it's designed to kind of give the the listener a little bit more of uh, an experience when it comes to the fiction. So every single book comes with an artist's rendition. And this is kind of for more for our sighted community uh, friends out there, but it comes with a special edition kind of rendition of artwork based on the book. And you get that with every mm. single purchase, every single book. And it kind of just pops up in the library. And to the best of my knowledge, as because I can't see in this part isn't really accessible, but the use of the app is accessible. Uh, I think it displays that artwork as you're listening to it kind of on right. your home screen. Mm-hmm. Like we do with podcasts. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's that's amazing, and 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 of course it's absolutely for this particular player. Uh, what else do we have there with assistance and support? This is really cool. So it actually has human guides. It's not talking to a machine. It's not AI. It's uh, they've really taken the audiobook approach where we you know we love human narrators. Uh, you know hashtag. Uh, I forget what the hashtag is. Hashtag human audio. I believe it is, and they've actually employed um, people to guide you through and recommend your next great listen based on what you've listened to, based on what you've searched in the, in their app. And they can kind of give you a rundown and a breakdown of all those books. And you actually get to talk to someone either on the phone or through the chat that is actually a person and not a machine. So I thought that was really cool. And you don't see that that often because even when you, I love audible. And even when you call there, it seems like, you know, why don't you just use the automated this or the automated that? And it's like, I really would rather talk to someone. So I really did appreciate this. I'm curious about the illustrations specifically. Like, is it just, you know, anybody and everybody or we're talking professional artists and such too? So according to the article, it was professional artists that love audiobooks. So they have a particular um, interest in this book, or maybe they're a, a friend or a family member of the art, uh, excuse me, of the author. And what's cool about this, and this is kind of what I wanted to touch on next, is that it's all indie narrators and indie authors. So they're not your big time stars, right? They're somebody looking to get their first break, somebody looking to narrate their first audiobook, get their first book kind of published and out there, right? So I really like that, but don't get me wrong, just because they're indie doesn't mean the sound quality isn't good. The sound quality right. is fantastic. Um, it's it's really done well, and uh, it's really, really a great listen. I've only kind of chimed in, or I guess listened to maybe six or seven minutes of an audiobook on it, uh, just because there's so many good ones that have come out. I'm, I'm kind of, dare I say, falling behind, right, on, on some of my reading, and my list is growing. But the coolest thing about this app, guys, and I think you guys will appreciate this, is that it has chapter by chapter recaps after every single chapter in the book and it also gives you character descriptions so if they say oh ryan and they don't really give a character description there is um a a person that also comes in and voices over and kind of dubs in what the character looks like what the character uh, as it gives you information that you might have gotten but forgotten as the book progresses and i thought that can you pull that up whenever you want like if this character is introduced you say hold on i'm not quite sure of this character who is this can you actually pull that up and and hear that description or is it at the end of the chapter interesting i never even thought to try that so i wonder that might be my weekend project but uh as far as i know it comes at the end of the chapter so it'll say oh you know chapter one is called intro and here is a, a, a let's say three or four sentence recap and then it's uh okay, you met these three characters and this is their name, this is the clothing that they were wearing and this is kind of what they look like. And it's very succinct, it's to the point, but it it, it does give value to, to the entire listen and it, it kind of made me more engaged 
to be honest. Um, I don't know that I would like it after every book. You know, let, mm-hmm. let's say it's the fourth book of a series. I'm kind of invested and I know, you know, that Ryan is Ryan. But I think for those newer books, the ones that I've never read before or listened to before, I think that this is really helpful and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, what about the narrators in the sense of the, the fact that they're up and coming? Is there a newness to the folks that are doing this stuff? Uh, that Are you comfortable? I know from being back in the days of talking books when volunteers were reading uh, a lot of the content, you, you're just happy to have it. But, you know, these weren't professional seasoned at that point uh, readers. And these folks aren't quite yet, but I'm, I'm not going to suggest for a moment that they're slouches. No, and you're right there. That was a big worry of mine is, you know, okay, if it's an indie narrator and this is the first time this this person is narrating, what do I expect? But I, like I said, I, I'm only going off the one book that I heard and then a couple of the previews, but it was fantastic, uh, the, the ones that I did listen to. And it, it was really well done. And I think that they have something to prove. So they're trying to put out their best quality. And I'm not saying that the big names don't because obviously they do, but I think more so in a sense, these people are trying to put out something really good to get signed on or to to create more books, to create more work, to, to bring it to us uh, right into our ears there. And, and I, th- I really... think it's wonderful because they, not because they know that as much as there's just a market for people to get into this business. The competition is higher. So the quality is better. And you're right. And you know what? Some things I did notice is like maybe some of their accents are a little over the top. And it's like, eh, maybe take that from an eight to a six. But you know what? You're you're pretty good. Uh, and you, you just sort of, like you said, accept that this might be this first or second book that this person has narrated. So you're like, they're, they're not there yet, but they're going to be. You can really tell that that they got something there. And the, the voices of the some of the stories that I've listened to and some of the previews are, are really, really good. Uh, they're well, just looking for their big break. Yeah, it definitely feels like a, a kind of a community run initiative right now, where it's got that vibe to it because of what they feature, right? The indie and the short stories and things like that. But also, um, it seems like they're pretty in touch with the fact that you may or may not be using this app uh, exclusively. You know, the fact that they have all these character descriptions and um, recaps of of plot and stuff like that available it says to me you know you're you're very self aware like you you know that there are a ton of things going on where we're probably binging something else while reading this and doing something else or whatever and uh you want to offer us bits and pieces that feel unique to your initiative no and you're right with that i i hadn't really considered it but like you know you look at this and it's almost as if they only wanted you to listen to like one book a month because that's your, it's kind of your in between waiting for your audible credit or sure. maybe you're waiting for yeah uh, Libby or something else to get you the book that you're waiting for. And, uh, you know, going back to the, the narrator piece, I think that this reminds me just how important leaving a review is um, mm. and whether it's good or bad. I, I think that there should be a big push for, you know, revu- reviewing these, these performances and reviewing the titles because it does give them feedback and you'd be surprised even the big time names like your Julia Whalens, they do go back and read them uh, or they have a team, a marketing team that does that too, because there, there's been times where I've noticed a, a review and then I hear her say something that is almost identical to the review. So they're really in tune with the listeners and what they want and, and some of the things that, you know, we might hear as opposed to them just hearing the final production piece before it goes out. Plus it's always yeah. nice to have a different set of ears on it, right? Because who, who likes listening to their own voice? I, I At least myself, I find it weird, right? Yeah, absolutely right. Thank you so much. This is a good one. No, have a great weekend, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yes, you will. Talking about Audrey, A-U-D-R-E.
EY, uh, the new audiobook player. We'll uh, take a moment, folks, and when we return, let's revisit on weigh in and, and weigh in on conversations from the past week as we do cut for time. Stick around. When you have some time, please remember to subscribe to the Kelly and Company podcast experience. There you can listen to the complete show. We call that the Kelly and Company podcast experience for sure. You can check it out, listen to the audio vanity card or anything else that uh, the whole show brings you. But maybe you have a particular segment that you enjoy or came upon partway through. You want to go back and listen to it? Hey, just do that because we also parcel the show out in segment form. Maybe you have a contributor that you enjoy listening to, and, and that's really your, your thrill of the week, listening to the show, hearing the, their topics and their subjects. So check that out via the Kelly & Company podcast feed because the show is parceled out and available or available as a complete show. Subscribe using your favorite podcast platform, and if you don't mind, while you're in there, give us a rating and review. Rummy and I welcome back Jeff Ryman to the program. We'll get to Jeff in just a couple of moments, too, when, when he weighs in. We call this segment Cut for Time. We do this on Fridays. And what we do is uh, we've had segments throughout the program, throughout the week, that we may wish we could have said a little bit more. But obviously the guests who we're listening to, they bring a subject to us, and we let them have the floor. And when we can sneak in what we want to say, we do. But often stuff is left on the table that we may have wanted to say after or during their segment. So we use a little bit of time on Fridays to do so. So Jeff is getting us started this week on uh, Cut for Time. Jeffy, what, what do we got? Yeah, this is something that uh, really piqued my interest even before the segment went to air. I think I called dibs on this on our Monday pre-show meeting. <laughs> you did. Um, and of course, on Monday, we spoke with Danielle McLaughlin about strange school rules that really do exist. And here she is explaining some rules about using the washroom. We know that there are schools that will only permit people to use the washrooms three times a term. Now, what? just imagine if you're somebody with a medical condition, mm. you have to reveal that medical condition to your teacher or to the authorities because you can get an exemption if you have this doctor's note. But that really implies that you're willing to give up a lot of private information. Yes. Otherwise, imagine that you just get caught short one day. You didn't have a chance to use the toilet during recess because uh, there was a big queue, as there often are. Um and I know that there are schools that have been trying to fight, for example, the amount of graffiti in the washroom. And if the school has several washrooms, they will close the one with the, the graffiti. Uh, if all the washrooms have graffiti, they right. have been known to close all the washrooms. Well, the so punish what everyone, kids, of course. That's right, because you punish everyone, everyone if one person has done something they ought not to do. And this is the very basis of unfairness. So, you know, some of these rules are not well thought out. Yeah, definitely not well thought out. Um, listening to this, uh, I could have went through that whole 18-minute segment and picked out any rule, because uh, I, I find some of them just ludicrous, including, <laughs> including this one about using the washrooms. I understand where teachers come from, where they don't want kids wandering the halls. They don't want them just, you know, 
skipping class or, or vanishing for, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus minutes. Um, but at the same time, if a kid has to use the washroom, like it, it shouldn't even be a question. Like just let them go. What is it to them? What is it to you? Um, and Danielle made some some great points. Like, what if there is some sort of uh, medical concern with that student? What if they don't want to have to share in front of class that they have some sort of medical concerns? Because, of course, we all know kids can be a little bit mean from time to time. I'm not saying every kid is mean. I'm saying uh, school can be a little bit rough. And if you are somebody who has to go to the washroom extra um, more more than the next person, then you know, you know. Obviously, a kid might feel a certain type of way about doing that, right? Um, but I'm just still um, dumbfounded to, to 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 think and hear that these rules still really do exist. It, it always bugged me because personally, as a kid, not to toot my own horn, but like I I wasn't that type of kid that would just go wander the halls because I was bored. If I asked the teacher to go to the washroom it was probably because i actually had to go um i like to drink water uh and if you drink a lot of water then you do have to go to the washroom and uh you can't really go between class when i was in high school there was a five minute bell you had to get you had five minutes to get from point a to point b and my high school was the biggest like legitimately the biggest in terms of area in our district. And sometimes I'd have to go from the gym on one side to the science hall, which is like way on the opposite side of the school. There is no way um, I can stop for a pit stop in the middle of going from class to class. Um, and back then, I believe the periods were 45 minutes, maybe even north of that. It might have been an hour and a half. I think it was an hour and a half. Um, so therefore, if you're starting school at 8, and or eight thirty, and you're not having lunch until eleven eleven thirty. That's a pretty long time to not use the washroom. And also, what Danielle said: some schools and some teachers have you can only use the washroom three times per term. Who's calculating? Like, come on! Like that is, uh, I don't know. It, it irks me, and, and I think why don't why don't teachers think of a good compromise uh why don't they go back to the drawing board there definitely are more rules than just the washroom issue that i think need to be revisited especially now that kids are returning to school like like actually physically in school uh, as opposed to learning from home obviously there's going to be an adjustment period there so uh, I could ramble on about these school rules. This the segment with Danielle was just awesome on Monday, and I highly encourage you guys to go check that out. It was a really fun segment. Fun because, you know, you hear these rules, and the first thing you want to do is burst out laughing. Yep. And then so ridiculous, like you've been saying, right? You You hear some of these rules, and I always think, where did this even come from? Because there's got to be something that happened that makes people feel like they need to put a rule uh, stating, you know, full support of or absolutely no more of this kind of attitude. Um, I'll share a quick memory, which is that when I was in high school, there was a no hats rule. It was, you know, school wide, doesn't matter, no exceptions unless you're wearing uh, some kind of religious head covering, no hats allowed. 
no, 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 no. And so one day, I think that there were there were still a lot of people getting into trouble about wearing hats. So one day during a school, like a full school assembly, and we had a an auditorium that could fit pretty much the entire school in. Everyone was gathered around. And what they did was uh, the back door opened. It was completely silent. The back door opened. Our principal walked in. And behind him, he was dragging a ribbon of hats that had been confiscated over the last several years. And I'm talking this trail, like he was halfway down the uh, the aisle of the auditorium and this thread of hats behind him was still going. And there was this communal collective gasp from all the students there. And um, everyone was livid. Because it just felt so disrespectful, right? It's one thing to have this rule, no hats, but it's another thing to kind of drag people's possessions on the ground to make a point. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, we had, a, we had a lot of words about that as the student body. And so, you know, there is a serious side to this, right? Where people feel, to say the least, offended by the rules, but to say the most, uh, like the rules are unacceptable. So... Yeah, that's just one example of one of these. Yeah, I, I, my thing is rules have to be there for a reason. I'd be totally offended if my old fedora is being dragged along cleaning Absolutely up the floor kills. for them. Uh, I think that it's a major insult. I think placing a lot of the rules are for somebody's convenience, whether it's a teacher who doesn't like a particular thing and has the ability to make sure that rule is in their classroom or a school that has a fear of something. And instead of dealing with the problem, if people are trashing the bathrooms, writing on the whatever, there's got to be other ways instead of punishing everyone as if everyone's participating and harming those who may say, I'm sorry, I drink a lot of water. Or as Jeff pointed out, limited time to go from point A to point B. You got your five minutes. And unfortunately, human beings work much the same and our bodies work much the same people coming into school unfortunately things are often timed the same everybody has juice or coffee or tea or something before they come to school may not have that time to hit the bathroom mm-hmm. or the need so you're going to have a run on you're going to have people who have something else to run and go do maybe take a medication anyway it is incredible, and, and the bathroom is just one of those examples. And understandably, there has to be you know decorum, for sure, in places. Uh, switching to Tuesday's show, we had a chat about Meatless Mondays, or whatever day you choose to have it, with Julia Carantis, our nutritionist. Here she is giving us some detail about what meatless actually means. When I say meatless, what does that mean? Because it can be overwhelming. So if this is something that is totally new for you, then it's good to understand that meatless just means no actual meat, which is more of a vegetarian way of eating, meaning that you could still put milk or cream in your coffee, butter or cream cheese on your bagel or have eggs, yogurt, etc. So you know for breakfast you could have a bowl of yogurt with granola and berries and lunch could be a salad with chickpeas or an egg salad sandwich with an apple and trail mix, hmm. right? So this is nothing that is, you know, out there or challenging even to to make yourself or even to find. So there's lots of options. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good clarification that if, if, you know, if you want to do a vegan day, that's great. If vegetarian is more comfortable at that moment, then it's great to understand that, you know, you can still put that cream in your coffee right. and, and right. you're not making those, you know, too, too overwhelming of a change for yourself. Cause that can be, you know, that can just set somebody up for failure. So for me, 
I've heard that when we're young, when we get into our teenage years, by the time we're 16 or 17, we have already established our food habits of our life. And whether that be good or bad, it is crucial to make sure that good food habits are started early in life because that's what you stick to. I forever think about things I can't do or that I associate that I'm going to have. Oh, there has to be a dessert after. This is a meal. I have to have a dessert after it. Oh, this has to include... Uh, I know I've heard people say potatoes, meat, and vegetables. There are so many things from certain places, situations that, as a child, I've adapted to and adopted as as that's just the way it's done. You wouldn't have this soda before noon. So when we talk about Meatless Monday, and I, I stop and I joked about this the other day, but it's so serious, and this is what I come back to, there's almost an anxiety for me to think about why would I go a day without meat? Whether I do or don't, sometimes it really frightens me that there, that that happens. This is something that I have recognized for years. My ideal world is where I don't even think of vegetarian, meatless, meat, or whatever. I choose a food by the fact that, oh, my goodness, does that sound good. Oh, I like eating that. doesn't matter if it's made out of only chickpeas. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, roast beef. What what I find a struggle with, guys, that I really find, I don't want to talk vegan, that's that, that's not me, I I agree with what Julia pointed out, of course, as, as things that people don't have to adopt with, with Meatless Monday, Tuesday, whatever it is. I just really always am brought back to thinking of how my mind can't get around, oh, well, hold on, there's got to be some form of meat, and, and I'm not even talking a fake meat or like meat or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it. It's a real problem for me, Jeff. See, I, I tried doing meatless Monday a while back and I, and I, I was like, ah, I'm not sure how I feel about this. And then you're right. Kels. like, there are so many different options. And still to this day, I, I try to sneak it into my, my every week. And it doesn't have to be Monday, of course, like Julia said. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, but just because um, there's no meat doesn't mean there's no protein. She mentioned, you know, you can have eggs. I have, I have eggs for dinner probably once a week. And there there I go. I, there's my meatless, and I don't eat meat throughout the, the rest of the day. And there are so many different ways to go about it. I'm not a fish person. P- people like fish. That's a great way to uh, get your protein in. Or you could just be, uh, you, you could just enjoy the carbs. You could just have an Italian dinner, really. <laughs> just have a pasta. Uh, and, and that is uh, definitely a, a way of getting meatless, of course, unless you add meat. But, of course, uh, pasta is still very tasty. There, uh, There's always these misconceptions about, oh, meatless Monday. This It has to be disgusting food, but it's not. It, it <laughs> totally is not. <laughs> yeah, I think that... Um... And I mentioned this on Tuesday's conversation with Julia as well. Having my mom eat vegetarian herself, and and to be quite honest with you guys, she's never uh, pushed vegetarianism on any of us. She used to eat a ton of meat. She was in love with eating meat, but then, um, I don't know, she just decided she wasn't going to do that anymore. So she still cooks meat. She still handles meat. She just doesn't eat it herself. And the rest of the family, I will tell you, we eat meat. So it's never been a problem that way like oh mom's vegetarian so we got to adjust our lifestyles but um that being said because it was such a soft you know point of conversation for us like it was never a hard sell I, I feel like over the years I just appreciated vegetarian meals 
Like I always eat off my mom's plate or what she's cooking or, you know, we never um, make a big deal out of, hey, mom, you got to cook meat for us, even though she's not eating meat. And also kind of from a religious practice perspective, um, having grown up with my mom being Hindu, we did recognize some of the days of the week as vegetarian days, right? So Fridays, usually some Tuesdays, uh, even special Sundays. So during those days, there would actually be no meat in the house at all. So we got used to it. But then again, it's a different cultural um, cuisine that we were eating and not just like the stuff that you might be more regularly exposed to uh, now. And now that I'm living on my own, I do have to make much more of an active effort to continue eating vegetarian, at least semi-regularly. But I never had to, like you use the word sneak Jeff, I never felt like I had to sneak in veggies or things that may taste like meat or, you know, seasoned a certain way so that I don't miss my vegetables. It's more just having the active mindset that, hey, did I have a day this week that was pure vegetarian or, or, or vegan friendly? Um, or did I eat meat every single meal this week? And I try to keep tabs on stuff like that. So we'll move over to um, Wednesday's program, we had our bi-weekly What in the World segment, shout out to that being bi-weekly now, with Jeff and Grant Hardy, and we had a chat about the newest words added to the dictionary. Here's uh, Jeff explaining more. It is that time of year uh, when the words pumpkin spice are on many of our lips, not to mention in many of our coffee cups, so it should come as no surprise that it's amongst, yes, some of the words added to that dictionary. Wow. Uh, this month alone, just this month, so September only, the dictionary has added 370 words and phrases. Others that were added include shrinkflation, <laughs> adorkable, and subvariant. So the thing I wanted to say about this is that um, lately I've been focusing a lot on words and trying to get behind using new vocabulary, expanding our vocabulary in general, and and not just reading through the parts of the book where I don't understand the word and uh, trying to make up my own context, but actually saying, hey, uh, maybe I should pause and figure out exactly what this word means. You know, just, just that whole intention again of expanding my vocabulary. But then I hear this. <laughs> There's all these words being added that aren't even legit. And I kind of got annoyed. I was like, really, though? But the dictionary, it's got to be more serious than that. Pumpkin spice, adorkable. What is this? Where's the dictionary going? Somewhere they well, got to be know. defined. Uh, They've got to be. Yeah. Most of those, though, I thought were already added. That's the part. You thought adorkable strange. was already added? Uh, shrinkflation and, and oh, certainly yeah, pumpkin yeah, spice. True. But adorkable, probably. It sounds like something out of the 70s, actually. <laughs> Jeff, thank you very much for joining us for Cut for Time. We'll talk to you next week. Um, Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, host of the show. We will return and take a look ahead at our show on Monday and wrap up today's program after this. folks settle on back you know it's it's been a great show and you can sit back and say all right gateways open 
Ah, weekend begins. Uh, Rum, because we've been telling people about this whole week and suggest they go check out the Kelly and Company podcast, subscribe using their favorite podcatcher, check out all the other AMI audio uh, podcasts that are available as they do their search. Anything particular quickly from today's show you want to mention? Yes, Sylvie Fiquette, uh, giving us news from Vancouver and all of BC. She was telling us about this event that's going to specifically focus on Indigenous peoples living with disabilities and the kinds of resources and supports that they need and the kind of conversations really that need to take place for uh, their voices to be heard and for them to feel that um, support and interaction, right? So check out the details because there was a lot on that and the intention behind it. She also highlighted Vocali and some upcoming performances. I want to give a special Fedora's off nod to Grant Hardy, who is transitioning, is taking over Lifestyle Health and other segments here on the program, doing a transition from being TV reporter on AMI-TV to working with our show on a full-time basis. And uh, he has just come through with with glowing marks this week. We're really happy with the things he's brought Mm -hmm. forward and kind of just embracing something that, whoa, gosh, guys, this is is kind of new for me. And he's done a wonderful job. So thank you, Grant. We'll look forward to hearing from him later on next week on the program. Rum, would you give us a little preview of Audio Book Review? That's right. Brand new episodes of AR this weekend, uh, tomorrow at 2, or sorry, at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And we're talking to Peter Setsanis. He's the host of Peter's Book Club. And some of you might be familiar with him, but it's a really fantastic way that they run their book club, first of all, Kels. But also, we got into the conversations around books feeling lost or not lost in translation. He likes to read books in French. He also reads a lot of books in English. And then he reads, reads a lot of translated books as well. So that was fascinating to me because I was like, oh, man, I wonder if you can get that original feel of the book when you're reading an entire uh, translated work version translated. Yeah. Exactly. So also, I wanted to tell you that um, we start off each episode with a quote of the week. And tomorrow's quote is the following. And I want to give you dibs on uh, your impressions on it. So autumn carries more gold in its pocket than all the other seasons. Mm. I think of autumn colors. I think of the fall colors. And I think people getting their year more complete, the return to everything. So um, I I, I feel there's a a certain richness to this time of the year that sometimes people don't even recognize because it follows summer and everybody's, oh, so much fun in the summer. Have no idea if that's kind of what you mean. I love it. I love it. Well, this is not a quote that I created. This is by Jim Bishop, but I love your perspectives on it, especially richness. I didn't even discuss that part of it when I uh, go through my um, reactions to this quote, but I love that because it's true. It feels very vibrant this time of year. And I think it does. I think we've talked about it, the cooler nights, the the, the weather, the air, the Christmas in the air. Um, mm. We know life is changing over, as our gardener says, as we step on the, you know, the dying leaves and everything, getting ready for life next year. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Monday is the funeral for Queen Elizabeth II, an official day of mourning here in Canada. Danielle McLaughlin will be discussing the significance of the commemoration. With the release of the new iPhones comes the term ESEN. Michael Babcock informs us about this technology. Brock Richardson of Neutral Zone, he'll bring us our weekly sports update. Also, on Healthy at Home, airing on AMI-TV, fitness instructor Bobby Jansen guides viewers through a home workout. We welcome Bobby to the show so we can find out some more. 
And Leanne Bardo joins us for an independent living skills chat, uh, and we'll do that in hour two of the program. Also, folks, uh, that'll be on the uh, expanding uh, core curriculum that students go through. And we welcome new community reporter Carol Apple to the program from Vancouver, so we look forward to her report. Producers for Kelly and Company, Jeff Ryman, Ramya Muthan, Marianne Dion jones and reporter Grant Hardy. Our senior producer is Matt Agnew. Live production manager, Paula Deneen. Manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Take care of yourselves, folks. Now, get out of here, will ya? A few days ago on the show, we were talking about making popcorn on the top of the stove. Rummy has picked that up recently. And I got thinking about some of the other things that my family would do. Things that, you know, you played around the stove and if mom said, hey, were you guys doing this? You made a mess. You know, whether it be something like trying to toast marshmallows or making up uh, you know, stuff to roll apples in so you could get like a caramel dipped apple. I always wanted the candied apples because that was my favorite at the carnival. That's what I'm thinking a lot about right now this week with the Western Fair in London, Ontario, concerts uh, at the Grandstand, and just being a really great time. So I think about the apples, how much I liked the candy apples. Now, I kind of hesitate now, worried about biting into one of those, and what about my teeth? And it feels awkward because definitely it was awkward, especially if it stuck to my face. I never loved the caramel. Now, if you had nuts or something in them, yeah, okay. But I always found fighting with it difficult. But we would try doing that stuff at home. Marshmallow toasting. I absolutely wanted marshmallows to be just like they were on the fire. And, of course, my siblings, me being four or five years old, would say, no, 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 man. We can't can't kind of toast it that well. Not like that. No, no, no. <laughs> and then, of course, okay, here's yours. You pop it in your mouth and you're dancing around as it burns the inside of your mouth because the four or five-year-old so excited to have it but always keeps forgetting, hey, this will burn. Uh, where's the beverage to cool it off as you're trying to open your mouth with all that g- gummy, sticky, hot mess? When we'd go to the carnival, my mother would love the elephant ears, as we called them. Um, now, a lot of time people call them beaver tails, made with kind of, as is my opinion, that same stuff you make funnel cake out of. It's all that same kind of over-rich, greasy, horrible stuff to your system food that you just love so much as a child. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.